This episode of Epicenter Bitcoin is brought to you by Fairlay. Fairlay is a Bitcoin prediction market where you can place predictions on the likelihood of sporting events, the Bitcoin price, or current affairs. You earn money if your predictions are correct. Head over to fairlay.com slash epicenter, that's F-A-I-R-L-A-Y dot com slash epicenter to place your first bet today. Hello, welcome to Epicenter Bitcoin, the show which talks about the technologies, projects, and startups driving decentralization and the global cryptocurrency revolution. My name is Sébastien Couture, and I am joined today by two gentlemen uh, of the College Cryptocurrency Network, Jacob Sears and Dean Masley. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Thank you both for coming on. Uh, So for our listeners, uh, Brian is not here today. Uh, while we were getting ready for the show, he sent me an email or a text message telling me that uh, he went for a he went for a hike in the country and there's no trains because there's some sort of a train strike in Germany, and so he's stuck in the German countryside. He may join us uh, at some point uh, during the show, but I haven't been able to get a hold of him. So, Brian, I hope you're all right. <laughs> and and for for those of you not living in Europe, you can. Uh, Consider yourselves lucky that you don't have to go through things like train strikes, which happen on a regular basis here. <laughs> so, uh, can we perhaps uh, you can start by introducing yourselves? Uh, Jacob, could you uh, introduce yourself? Yeah. So, um, as mentioned, I'm Jacob. Uh, I'm the director of student outreach for College Cryptocurrency. Um, but most of my time is taking up uh, being a student at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, uh, studying political science in my third year. I actually just finished up my thesis. Um, and uh, yeah, that's most of my life uh, is academia right now. The student life. Gotta love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Dean? Yeah, so uh, I'm Dean Maisley. I'm the uh, creative director for here at the CCN, helping with all like the flyers, media logo help other schools make sure they're all nice and spiffy. Um, but also, uh, I'm a student at the University of Delaware. I'm a marketing and German student, and I'm also the president of the Cryptocurrency Club at UD. We just founded a few weeks ago. Awesome. Now, um, so I think this is probably the show where we've had the, uh, the widest difference in time zones. Uh, uh, Jacob, you're in Alaska. It's mm-hmm. like 10 a.m. and uh, Dean, you're in Delaware. Uh, so basically, there's like on each side of the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The power of podcasting. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I I just found out about the crypto college, uh, crypto uh, college cryptocurrency network uh, actually this week. I was a BTC to be in Brussels, and I met uh, the executive director Jeremy Gardner, and we did a panel together on Bitcoin marketing, which will be released later this week. And um, and I thought that you know it would be interesting to have you guys on to talk about what you do because I think it's really interesting in terms of being able to reach a lot of people and frankly people that have a potential of being really interested in this, in this technology because they're not old enough to be sort of the, the old world traditional sense uh, financial you know, banking kind of thing. Um, and also uh, not young enough to not give a damn about uh, <laughs> their future. Um, and so I, I was really interested in you know, what the College Cryptocurrency Network does. And you know, immediately told Jeremy, you know, we should have someone on. And uh, unfortunately, he's uh, taking a flight and a few hours couldn't be on. 
but it's great to have uh, you guys on uh, to, to talk about all that. So can, can you sort of introduce the cryptocurrency network, uh, what it is, how it got started, just in a general sense? Yeah, so um, I guess just to preface everything, to cover our own asses here, um, you know, we're speaking as individuals, not for the organization, but uh, everything we'll be talking about will be our experiences with the organization and as students in the cryptocurrency world. But um, as far as the College Cryptocurrency Network goes, uh, uh, what, we, uh, what we call it is an advocacy and outreach group. Um, basically, students reach out to us um, and uh, they say, hey, we want to form a club somewhere. Um, then we say, okay, we give more resources because that's what we are. We're the College Cryptocurrency Network. Um, we let them access, have access to all our resources, uh, which includes... Um, media flyers uh you know we've got a design team that we just formed i'll go on about later uh we've got uh draft documentation to help them form their clubs we've got our professional networks we've got our network of uh companies uh that can help sponsor events for them and things like that um we have a lot of things that we uh have to help to to have to offer to help them uh move along and help get people involved at their colleges and that's really what we want to want what we want to help encourage is uh, the, the education, uh, innovation, and ac- advocacy of, uh, of blockchain technologies, uh, primarily on college, college campuses, but everywhere. Because, uh, you know, collegiate campuses are where we've, A, got the young people, B, also where all the research is being done, where you've got a, a lot of innovation coming out of. So um, as far as when it was uh, founded and uh, uh goes all the way back to uh, oh so long ago about seven and a half months uh, it was uh, University of Michigan uh, Stanford and MIT if I remember correctly um, Jeremy Gardner and Daniel Block are our co-founders and they're both uh, hailing from the University of Michigan and um, basically they formed their club uh, then they got the crazy idea that there might be other clubs out there besides them uh, and they started looking around. They finally found MIT and Stanford, and uh, they hooked up with them and decided that may, maybe, hey, this is a good idea, and we should uh, try and spread this around more. Uh, and so the College Cryptocurrency Network was formed. Um, I guess, funny story, I'm actually, I can't say fourth, but I think like fifth or sixth on the line of people that was contacted uh, just from the sheer fact that I did some blog writing uh back in the day and uh back in the day if you search bitcoin alaska uh my name would come up primarily in the google research uh google search results and uh our co-founder uh, daniel just happened to be going through the list of states in alphabetical order looking for bitcoin clubs so so when when uh when you started your first club in alaska were there any other clubs uh uh, in Alaska, or were were you the only one at the, that time? So funny story about that. I'm actually still working on my paperwork. It's been kind of overwhelming with the uh, with trying to get my uh, with my thesis work done. But um, it's been uh, from the faculty and whatnot. I've reached out to as far as sponsorship for that sort of thing. It's been real nice. Uh, we're definitely the going to be the only club up here in Alaska because there's only three colleges primarily: University of Alaska Fairbanks, Anchorage, and Juno, and um, they're all, uh, uh, and neither of the other two have a cryptocurrency club, but I'm hoping to establish a real strong network in Alaska where we can uh, reliably, um, 
I guess, connect and work on projects together, considering Alaska is so far apart that it's going to be pretty small projects otherwise. So tell us about the types of projects uh, that, 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 are, that come out of these cryptocurrency uh, groups. What do, you, what do you call them? Clubs? You call them clubs? Yeah, they're, I mean, they're clubs. So as far as like how they operate, um, every, every club is, it, it is a completely separate entity from the network. We just kind of, I mean, if you want to think about it this way, we're kind of like a side chain that operates on top of the blockchain. Um, so they're all the independent clubs that actually make things run, but we just kind of help connect things together, you know, add a little diff- additional information, bring people together uh, in different ways. Perhaps um, I uh, could give my experience to uh, elaborate on that, on like how the CCN helps the students directly. I mean, when I was setting up the uh, chapter here at the University of Delaware, it's uh, completely independent of the CCN. But uh, what the CCN was able to do is I could go on there, find some sample constitutions, reference it with my school materials to make sure I covered all the bases. Um, obviously, the topics of cryptocurrency and the news, like there's some negative viewpoints of it. And if people have only heard the negatives, they want to have a lot more information on the topic. Um, if you're a student saying, hey, I want to, use this cryptocurrency and they've only heard it with drug money, they want you to have a lot of extra you know, reasoning, what you're going to do with it, how you're going to explain things. And so to be able to balance those ideas with the rest of the network, um, they would give me materials like other colleges that have already set up uh, the different clubs and they've gave me like resources so you can easily research it. So just kind of streamline the entire process. So my focus was entirely with the organization and they kind of helped me get all the resources together in the back end. Okay, so it, it kind of reminds me, uh, a couple of years ago, I was involved with an organization called Toastmasters, uh, where basically you create these clubs and you learn how to do public speaking and leadership skills and things like that. And they, although it's not decentralized, it's a very central organization that has a lot of money and a lot of resources. Uh, what they provide is you know, the, the kit, basically the, um, all the tools and resources which allow anybody just to create a club. And it sounds to me like this is sort of a similar model where the College Cryptocurrency Network will offer the tools and resources to the universities. And then it is up to them, really, and perhaps where it differs from, from the Toastmaster model is they really have the freedom and the liberty to kind of operate their club how they wish. Yeah, I mean, you, you've, you've basically got it spot on there. I mean, we're just going to provide any extra resources to help smooth things over um, if they need you know, some extra opinions on stuff. We're always here to help with that. Um, we're trying to, we're kind of launching a design movement. So we've got a design team going to help design logos and stuff that uh, Dean and I are helping head up um, that are going to help clean up, you know, school logos. Cause you know, let's be honest, not everyone's a graphic designer. I know <laughs> I'm not. So, um, you know, to have, to have that sort of help when needed is absolutely great. Um, we always offer to, uh, uh, I, at least I always offer to, uh, to contact, uh, administration and stuff like that, if need be to talk to them, to kind of help, uh, 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 any fears about, uh, you know, Bitcoin being, you know, horrible stuff and all that. Uh, you know, cause like Dean said, there is that kind of negative perception with a lot of people and we just got to do what we can to kind of fight against that, show that, Hey, we're out there just trying to educate people and get people involved. We're not trying to, you know, get people to sell drugs. It's just... Good old education. Yeah, I suppose that m- might come up on a university campus. Is uh, the cryptocurrency club is going to be using those bitcoins to launder money and sell drugs <laughs> <laughs> to freshmen? Exactly. <laughs> so you have to yeah. make a clear effort to distinguish yourself from the the he- sensationalized news headlines. Sure. <laughs> so let me uh, let me ask you, what's the landscape like now? How many clubs are there in in the U.S. and in other places around the world? 
So um, the number kind of is a little hazy just with how many people we were waiting to get response back from, but it's about 150. And it grows like every week. <laughs> yeah. It's about 115 chapters right now um, all over the globe. Uh, every continent that's inhabited um, from Hong Kong to uh, Australia uh, to, you know, tons of clubs here in the U.S. to South America, uh, quite a few over in Germany. We're going to send an ATM to uh, Antarctica to hopefully get that last, <laughs> that last continent as well. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, uh, we've got uh, we've got our, uh, the uh, chapters everywhere, and uh, they've been uh, a lot. Some of them have been really nice and active. Um, I know that uh, some of our some of the German students uh, over at the, and I'm not I'm not going to try and announce uh, pronounce the name just because I know I will butcher it. But one <laughs> of our German universities is um, been doing just absolutely phenomenal stuff. Uh, a lot of them are writing uh, research articles on. Uh, you know, their own topics or cryptocurrency topics. And uh, one of them uh, helps with the Dogecoin Foundation and uh, stuff like that. I mean, just super active individuals that are, you know, just a really great to see be involved and um, really great to, you know, actually be able to hang out and get to know these people. There's good ideas from everyone. When someone else is doing something cool, it's nice to see if you can adopt that model and bring it somewhere locally. So once someone kind of breaks the ice, it's kind of, easier for everyone else to copy and do the same thing too, which is what we want to encourage. Okay. So how do you, so I guess you, I guess you learn from, you know, what certain clubs are doing and then you'll use that, uh, that, that'll kind of trick back up to the top and then you'll use that again in, 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 to up, kind of exactly. update the the, the, the resource material that you provide to new clubs. It's very easy to sell an idea when it's already been done and there's tons of resources on it and you can just link to a bunch of things and say, look how amazing it worked out for that campus. We could do something similar to on our campus, and it just kind of uh, gets the ball rolling. Yeah, so I mean, like, uh, I'm, I assume you've seen, and I assume at least some of your, re- uh, your followers have seen the uh, Georgia Tech-branded uh, Bitcoin wallet that's uh, been talked about lately. And, I, have, uh, I haven't. I, I, I think that, oh, you haven't? Oh, no. okay, well. Please um, tell me about it. <laughs> there is, uh, Georgia Tech is, do you, do you know if they're working on it? I think they're working on it still. I think what they have it, they haven't implemented with their point system. Like, uh, so they're in school kind of like payment systems. Like I know at my school, there's like a system called flex. You load dollars into your card and you can use it at the gift shops and, uh, any like the school related places on campus. And I think they have a similar system set, set up where you can deposit Bitcoins and it comes out as the U S dollar amount onto your card. Um, it doesn't like float. I mean, you, you it's like kind of like BitPay. I think you just put it in and then it comes out as a dollar amount. Yeah. yeah, and they're working on integrating that right now, and I think it's absolutely phenomenal. It's probably one of my favorite projects I've seen coming out of a school in a long time, just because that set, sets the precedent for having so many other schools get involved like that and say, hey, uh, you know, why not? If we can just convert it over to dollars, let students put on their card. I mean, it's already going to be the university's, university's money anyway. Sure. I mean, they're really not losing anything, so... Uh, why not give them the option if they so choose to, you know, put, put other money in, uh, you know, it's just a great way to experiment with the technology in like a realistic way so that students, they say, Oh, what's Bitcoin. Let me just give it a test run. Little things like that make all the difference. And so can you kind of give me an idea of what these clubs look like? I mean, I guess they're probably all right. very different, but can you kind of give me a general idea? Of yeah, they actually, uh, they are very different between different clubs. Some of them are more uh, really casual, just meetups mostly. And so they just kind of agree, a bunch of people agree to meet up at a certain location and uh, just t- talk Bitcoin for a few hours, I guess. I don't even know if that long. But uh, and then other clubs, I know at uh, 
like Penn State University. Uh, Patrick Sines is heading that up. And they do uh, a lot of cool things. Like they do uh, nice lectures explaining the technology, but also they have interviews, I think, with uh, people coming around. And they want to do like charity events with like their big thon uh, agenda. And they're using that to kind of integrate Bitcoin with more school stuff by kind of going in that charity focus. And um, every, Pat always comes up with details every, every day. So I'm sure I'm already outdated. But uh, little things like that, you can go as small as really casual meetups to trying to change the university with Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. And what's the, what's the largest club? Do you have any idea? The largest club? I don't know. Is that a uh, MIT? I Penn State's pretty yeah, big. I but a Harvard's think it's MIT. Uh, Penn State. Uh, Stanford's pretty big. Yeah, th- those are probably our biggest ones. Um, Michigan's pretty I, big. Yeah, I don't know any <laughs> accurate number i don't want to leave anyone out don't don't recently. yeah i don't, <laughs> don't want to leave anyone out who's big and <laughs> so mean or anything yeah but everyone's doing great stuff regardless how big or small yeah i know at least a couple of the clubs have like a uh, hundred student plus uh mailing lists I, I i can say that much with relative confidence so um so it's nice to see that kind of support on on the campuses at least um although it could be much better than that i i i i need to get some updates from people and tell me what kind of projects have you seen come out of these clubs i mean have there been any startups that actually uh were born from these yeah too many startups just really uh yeah um i I know of at least a couple of our members that regularly participate um that have their own startups uh i know there's at least a few more that i don't know of and i'm probably i'm pretty sure at least half of our club heads probably have some sort of crazy idea they want to make into a startup still so but as a i guess some concrete just for that you can search on the news i mean mit has done stuff with their big uh bit bit competitions and uh i think like the three top winners have each created their own solutions their own startups they're going to pursue I right, mean, we right. saw all the new jersey um going after um ruben i think at mit for his project earlier so that was another thing that related in the news but uh, I think people at Stanford are all, I mean, obviously the Stanford community is really into startups. Um, yeah. But the thing is with the startups, it's not necessarily part of the CCN, but uh, we help them kind of with the education on campus. But it's, uh, we love when students do that because that's the whole point, getting them to uh, build their own skills and see what they can do and contribute to society. <laughs> and can you give some examples of these, uh, these startups? Uh... Well, one of them was the uh, decentralized identity, I think. So they were trying to make like a, an avatar service. Um, so you can have the same avatar across the web. That's like under your control. I know another one was helping you deal with like taxes to help uh, go through that. Um, I should have looked at them a little bit more closely before I came on here again, but uh, that was over, I think the summer and they had two competitions. Yeah. And of course, I mean, there's the MIT Bitcoin project. Um, we've got some, uh, ha- quite a few hackathons we've got going on. Texas, the world. Just, Texas just had a hackathon and a huge turnout, I think in Austin. Yeah, I think it just finished up this morning, or it's going to finish up this afternoon, depending on I'm getting my time zones mixed up. But sometime today, it'll finish up. Um, and uh, everything I've heard coming out of there has just been phenomenal. There's a huge turnout. The pictures look great. So uh, I'd like to kind of go, uh, because, I mean, since you're here, and perhaps a lot of the people listening, some of the people listening might be students, and they might want to create a club. Can you walk us through uh, sort of, you know, how do you how do you go about creating a club uh, with a cryptocurrency network? Yeah, so this is this is my field of expertise uh, as the director of student outreach. My day to day activities primarily uh, consist of uh, 
you know, communicating with our new clubs, um, helping any new members uh, get involved with us, get them the resources they need and whatnot. But um, I kind of went into it a little bit uh, when doing an introduction just because that's how second nature it is to me now. Um, basically, we have students reach out to us. Um, when they reach out to us, we say, uh, you know, we have a little discussion with them. Uh, usually we try and have a video conference call. Uh, we chat with them. We get to know them, get to know what they want to do to know what they want, uh, what they need from us. And uh, we share with them uh, all of our resources we can give them. Um, if there are any projects right off the bat that they have going on or want to get going on, uh, we see what we can put them in contact with. Um, but then uh, we just try and check up every once in a while, uh, make sure, you know, if they're still forming a club, that it's everything's going well. If they need us to call anybody, speak to anyone, Skype into any meetings or anything like that, whatever we can do to help. And then um, they get officially recognized as a club. Uh, the university then can give them funding uh, if they need funding for projects. Um, allows them to get uh, officially recognized, uh, you know, for marketing and stuff like that on campus uh, to reach out to the students better, to get more people involved, to get more people educated, uh, to get bigger projects going, and so on and so forth. And then they can just roll however they want to and do their own thing. And are there any requirements? I mean, does it cost anything? Are there membership fees? Like, no, all free. All free. <laughs> yeah, it's all all free. Um, we, I mean, of course, we want to avoid that just because. Uh, I mean, I think you know, I can't speak for you know why there's not, but I mean, a, I think it'd be a bad taste. I mean, especially with all the scams and whatnot we we've had in the cryptocurrency sphere. I think charging money for something like this that can be done free pretty easily is, mm-hmm. you know, would, would be a little sour. And also in that, in that kind of same light, the point is also focusing on what the students are doing. So the college cryptocurrency network is nothing without the students who are doing the stuff involved. So students who are creating content who are doing cool hackathons, well, they get the full credit and the college cryptocurrency just makes everyone else aware of it and say, Hey, look what they're doing. Um, a little more than that. But so that's also part of that. I mean, it would be ridiculous to charge anyone because it's nothing without everyone involved. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'll be honest, I don't feel like I do a terrible amount day to day, but some of these people that we're involved with and some of the clubs we've got going on are just phenomenal, just doing stuff every day that just blows my mind as far as how active they are on campus and what kind of support they're getting that I'm honestly quite jealous of considering the, you know, the, you know, the I guess the Bitcoin economy up here in alaska so you know i good on them and i just want to do what i can to help support them uh, i guess uh, perhaps uh, since since we have you on uh can you tell us about the bitcoin uh ecosystem in alaska um we've never had anybody I from think, alaska before so we're here. <laughs> yeah that's because uh it's basically non-existent i mean <laughs> you're running um, the show right <laughs> i just about uh i guess uh to go into a little bit more detail about my story earlier about how they found me. Um, apparently, uh, Daniel found an article that was written by the Anchorage Daily News, which is our, our state newspaper, um, about Bitcoin in Alaska. And I was one of the three people interviewed. There was a guy who uh, I think runs, runs the meetup. Uh, there was a guy who had six figures in mining equipment up there. And then there was me who just wrote blogs and was trying to get a club going up in Fairbanks. Yeah, I guess if and, you want to do um, mining in Alaska, I mean, you, your your heating bill. Uh, I mean, it's you know twofold because you get free heating, and then also you can cool your machines for free. 
yeah, that that's definitely something people have tried. I can't comment on their successfulness, but you know that that yet again successfulness in mining as a whole is kind of questionable. So at least nowadays. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty generous to say that there's not much going on up here. Unfortunately, it's not a very uh, computer savvy generally state. I mean, we don't really have any major. Uh, you know, computer science schools or anything like that. Uh, University of Alaska Fairbanks is a engineering school, which is about as close as we get. Um, and it's a pretty conservative state. It doesn't particularly like uh, technology. Um, and with the spread in population, uh, it makes it kind of an uphill battle all around. But um, I'm trying to see what I can do. I actually, um, I guess to have another little story, uh, I was going to be on a Bitcoin panel down at the University of Alaska Anchorage bookstore uh, that uh, was going to go on um, last uh, Jesus uh, last spring, I think. Um, and uh, on the way over, uh, my girlfriend's car broke down, so we ended up missing the panel completely. Uh, did not get to participate on that. Um, they still had the professor from the University of Alaska Anchorage College, who I think was kind of proposing some counterpoints, talk a little bit. And then, um, and uh, still got to Anchorage eventually. Unfortunately, that was a nice six-hour drive, but I missed the uh, the panel completely. So hopefully, we'll be able to try and schedule one of those again soon that I can actually participate in. <laughs> I, I I know what that what that's like. You know, I'm from Canada, where it's cold, and also lots you know exactly uh, long long distances. So <laughs> we've all I think we've it's all had too fun. that kind of that kind of thing happen. Um, so. I'd like to talk maybe about, you know, really how, how Bitcoin is received on campus. So, you know, the people in these clubs uh, are young people. They're, they're, I think they're, well, generally young people are, are quite open to change and open to new ideas and disruptive, disruptive technologies and whatnot. So how, aside from, you know, the people actually in the clubs that are into Bitcoin, you know, and they, they understand it, how is Bitcoin received uh, by young people and college students? Um. You know, it's kind of it's that kind of a dichotomy. You know, you got on one side the people that you know have been screwed over by the education uh, finance system. I guess how you can put it, um, with student loans just being near predatory. Uh, you know, how much insane amount of money we have to take out every year to you know finance this stuff. Working with banks just is always a hassle. Um, and so you show them this and like, hey, this is a kind of cool alternative. We don't have to deal with the bank anymore. <clears throat> That's always sucked. Um, and uh, being able to get uh, involved that way and seeing, you know, there's this different part that allows them to uh, avoid that involvement. Um, and then there's the other side where just, you know, every day is in the dollar. Why would I use anything else? why would I want to be involved with anything that's not the dollar that's just going to make things complicated or this doesn't make sense? You know, why would I want this? And then those are the ones that you really have to sell on the concept to say like, no, like, trust me, this is actually a lot simpler than a lot of this stuff. You know, it would, it would be really beneficial. I don't know. Dean, do you want to say anything? Yeah. So, I mean, I think with the students on campus, it's exactly what you said. Some of them who know what it is, I mean, they love it. They're eating it up. And there's another group that I, I think is a large percentage of students who still don't really know what it is. They've heard this in the news. 
But uh, if you explain the concepts and you show them demonstrations, I think a lot of them just get it. I mean, like we, I've been using a bank account far less than I've been using Bitcoin. I mean, it's just, and it's more familiar to me. I mean, it's on my, it's on my phone. It's very relatable technology wise, instead of going to like a bank office and talking with someone about kind of policies I'm not really familiar with. And uh, the more I do global work, I mean, with the CCN, it's a global community. I mean, doing that kind of work without this kind of global currency just wouldn't work as well. There'd be much more friction, much more obstacle points. And I think our generation, we use, you know, video chat, to talk with our friends across the entire world. We do a lot of things with social networking to keep up with each other wherever we are. And a money that kind of follows that same uh, motive is much more familiar than, you know, what our policies and governments are doing right now. I think they don't really represent the interests of the youth right now. And Bitcoin is something where it, you can kind of express that, like a different paradigm shift that we're more familiar with. That's my opinion on that. <laughs> Right, so the, the the idea of paradigm shift, I think, is really interesting, and this is something that we discussed at the conference uh, in Brussels on on Friday. Is you know, there there is a paradigm shift in the technology, but there's also a paradigm shift, I think, in mentalities. Right, so the idea that uh, that you'd want to build this sort of centralized corporation with like tentacles uh, everywhere, and 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 really with lots of control and monopoly and and with unethical practices. I think, I mean, I'd like to think that there's some sort of a paradigm shift in the way that people think. I think that's brought on in a, a lot of ways by the proximity that the internet has provided. Like we can now see and be empathetic to other people around the world, whereas before it was a lot harder to be empathetic and to to, 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 to have direct communication with other people, um, especially far, from far away. So can you comment on yeah, how, how you know, Bitcoin point. and or decentralized technologies and cryptocurrencies and young people, you know, in their twenties, you know, just in their formative years, uh, how 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 they can uh, adopt that technology and then really take it forward? Well, like as you just said, I mean, uh, it makes us more pathetic to the people around us, and I think that's a very important point because. I don't think it's ever going to happen again in history where one nation can wage war against another, put up propaganda to paint the other people as some kind of inhuman sticks. I mean, I'm more connected with the kids in Hong Kong and the Arab Spring and what they're doing than uh, what my government's doing. And I feel like I'm more connected with their efforts because I can communicate with them directly. I can read their posts on social media on a live feed. And you can kind of feel if that were to happen in my proximity, I would probably want their support as well. And it just kind of brings on a global consensus of a students or young people together that aren't really separated by borders. I, mean, I don't feel separated from someone from around the world just because, you know, they were born there. I feel like we can all work together in this kind of global community now that we have something like the internet to do so and uh, Bitcoin. So I think that's kind of continuing on that paradigm shift. I mean, we don't really need this structure where we're from to define what we're allowed to do and what we can do. And we're much more independent as a, I think our generation is much more independent because of the tools we have now. We can do much more than any thing before with our phones so it's amazing <laughs> yeah i mean my <clears throat> my my major is political science so i can go on for days about the state and you know how arbitrary country lines are and stuff like that but i think really what the best thing is is um that the internet i mean young people today are so integrated with the internet now you know like everything we have to do is on the internet i know half the stuff i have to do for college even with the interacting with the college is online now um, I know just about everything I do to communicate with uh, a lot of my close friends is on the internet now. Um, and really to introduce a currency that exists only online, I think really makes sense for, you know, for 
young people like us that do operate so much on the internet that you know even you know it's an internet money but it's also super easy to use in person in public uh it it's and a it's natural backed progression by, uh, it's backed by concepts that we understand i mean probability math all those things aren't as convoluted or opaque as something like the government monetary systems mm-hmm. and something that's more transparent and allows more involvement is so on those basic concepts uh uh when you, when you're explaining this to young people when you're explaining this to students that are that are not necessarily you know in the Bitcoin ecosystem, but uh, they're just college students and they're maybe curious about it. What are the type of questions that they have? What are they, are they more interested in technical aspects, in the practical aspects, in the political or, or societal aspects? Um, I don't know. Uh, as far as the questions, I usually get. Um, I think ninety eight percent of them are usually practical. Like, why should I use this? What can I use this with? Um, you know, uh, you know what what kind of usage they can get out of it. You know what what are the pros and cons to them using it versus actually trying to understand the technical aspects. Because I can, you know, we can go on all day about you know how it works and how the encryption algorithms and all this work together to help form secure network with the mining algorithms and how the blocks come together to you know help hold the transactions and all this stuff. But to be honest. Most people don't give a shit. Like most people, they're perfectly fine with going. Yeah, the nerds say it work, <laughs> uh, and it, it's it's real, it, and it's real easy to use. So if you give I'll a demonstration, the demonstration is all you need. I mean, like people ask, like, what can you use it for? And then I whip up my phone, and then I say, like, sometimes I'll even use Twitter. I'll use a service to send Bitcoin over Twitter, and that always blows them away too. I mean, just giving simple demonstrations that show like how programmable money can be used practically. I mean, with like storage coming out with like selling out your hard drive space, um, open bazaar is coming out. We can maybe sell textbooks or tickets to concerts on, you know, remove scalp, little things like that just kind of like come into mind when you reveal these technologies that are being built. And I think it's a lot easier for people our age to get their heads around that. And once they kind of see these new applications coming out, they're much more receptive to it. And they don't really ask the questions like, like, oh, well, what is money? I mean, they're not really concerned about that if they can let them do what they want to do, like interact on the web in a, a social way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you'll probably, you'll probably see uh, uh, my, a little bit of my political alignment come out here. But, you know, I, 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 just, I, I take a lot of issue with just how inefficient the banks are as far as, you know, how much of a central part of, in our lives they are versus, uh, you know, how much power they have over us as far as controlling our money, how fast it gets pe- where, uh, to where it needs to go, all this stuff versus Bitcoin, which just works because you help participate and works because the people say it should, not because you've got some big, greedy, you know, fat cat CEO sitting at the top saying, yeah, well, you know, it'll take two days to process. You know, it's it works because it works as fast as it can and we're constantly trying to work to improve it. The, the, you know, the, there's nothing better than that, knowing there's improvement trying to be uh, done than having the banks and whatnot sit there and go, yeah, it's getting there as fast as we can when, you know, everyone knows good and well that it could easily be there in five seconds. I mean, to expand on that, I mean, we use technologies that ex- like ex- uh, grow every year. I mean, like, I think Snapchat didn't exist a few years ago and yet people use it all the time now. Instagram, Facebook, all these things we use, like every single year look dramatically different. So why should our money systems look like they did from the 1950s? I mean, credit cards, you can't send it over the internet without it becoming insecure. That's inherently silly. I mean, why would we use a technology that's not built for it? And instead of building a technology that's meant for the internet, instead what we've done is made an insurance system to make it 
not affect people. But then we just end up paying a premium on, assur- on an insurance, which is just like an unlimited Band-Aid fix. And I think it's time to kind of make this uh, globally compatible instead of trying to have these Band-Aid solutions of insurance companies trying to back up a credit card system that's just not meant for the internet anymore. And how receptive are, are, are college students to that, or to, to, to the idea that the banking system is broken? Because, I mean, when I was in, 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 in university a couple of years ago, and uh, I, I, I mean, I, I had no idea how the banking system well, worked. I mean, I just used it. So are, are they sensitive to that? Yeah, I think the 2008 financial crisis definitely struck a tone where people are now very much aware of how uh, our system is set up and how there's not really any fixes done to like change what's going to happen. I mean, so what happened in 2008? We haven't done much changes to uh, make sure that won't happen again. That's and right, uh, yeah. a lot of people are kind of aware and want to have a different approach now because if it happened in 2008, what's going to stop it from happening again? Uh, I mean, after all the horrible things that happened, all the students are very aware. We have like job outlooks that aren't as great as our parents had. And uh, we have to kind of see how we can do that for ourselves now instead of just trying to patch up a system that is not catering to us. I mean, it's not like the banks are evolving to make mobile apps or doing things to make our lives easier or make it cheaper to send money across the world. No, I mean, I have to pay like minimum amounts if I hold a basic balance in my bank account. If I have to use an ATM, it costs 250 All these little things to use my money, like nickeling and diming me over technology, I can have a video chat with someone across the world for free. And it, I mean, we're doing that right now. I mean, it's just a totally different paradigm what we use every single day and it's totally different from the way we use money so it's just like for me it's just not even a a new concept it's just kind of like upgrading what we we should already be using (laughs) um i was just gonna say uh i think as far as how receptive they are to you know at least uh the banking industry being broken it it kind of depends on how well it's working for them. You know, I mean, uh, it, most people go, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if it's working for them, then it ain't broke. So uh, it just kind of depends on what, what they've been involved in. Like, I know I, I've had struggles with getting collegiate loans and things like that. I'm a self, um, uh, self-funded self uh, collegiate career. I haven't really been able to get uh, any money so far from... Uh, my parents, not that they haven't tried, but um, uh, it, it's it's all been me trying to get money from the banks and through scholarships and stuff like that. It's just been a pain. I mean, it's always just been a hassle and things like that. And, you know, dealing with the bank accounts and stuff like that, trying to transfer money between them, being unnecessarily complicated, trying to send money anywhere. It's just ridiculously weird. Uh, it, it's just too complicated. And you always have to give out your identity to do anything. It just... it. It's really weird in a in a time of uh, you know a time of technology where you can just go make burner accounts for any website you go onto, basically anonymize where you're from and be just about completely anonymous with what you're doing on the internet, except for when you have to purchase things, because of course you have to give out every single detail of your information then. Right. So I'm curious, how are the universities taken to this? If the students are, are quite open to it and the students understand the concepts and the students are sensitive to to the, to the concepts which support sort of Bitcoin uh, ideologically, how are the universities responding to it? All over. All, they have reactions all over. <laughs> I mean, we see, you know, at MIT, they're really, MIT and also at PSU, they're really uh, taking it on board. They're really happy to see what the students are doing. Uh, my school, they're pretty neutral, if not a bit tentative. They're not against it, and they're happy to see what we can do with it. I've talked to faculty, and they're happy with it. But, I mean, they're not really, like, on board as a university, but they're totally happy that we're doing it as a campus group. And then also, on the far other end of the spectrum, in New Jersey, they have problems with them completely not letting them do it at all. 
So oh, really? it's really all over. And I think so. Yeah, I think that's they're having problems with that. Um, and so there's problems all over, well, not problems all over, but there's a spectrum all over of uh, how university responding to it. And I think it really just depends on the individual administration. Right. And perhaps even like, I mean, the state uh, where it's in and, and. Right. Well, I mean, even um, in Delaware, we have uh, Senator Tom Carper and he's been uh, leading the efforts on digital currency. Uh, and I've reached out to him a few times, but uh, even still at the university has been pretty neutrally tentative, which I mean is uh, understandable considering um, if they're not dealing with cryptocurrency, they don't want to aware. Oh, I'm not aware of all the opportunities they can present. So, well, we're here to change that. <laughs> so perhaps this is a good segue into a, a partnership that you recently, I guess a few months ago, sealed with uh, Corn Academy. Can you tell us mm-hmm. a bit more about that? Yeah, so um, that's actually a pretty recent development as far as when we announced it. I think it was about two, two and a half weeks ago now. Oh, okay, um, sorry. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it's just a real solid partnership because uh, coinacademy.co is uh, basically internet-based lectures. They try and uh, get those out there on basic concepts of Bitcoin, uh, some of the more advanced concepts, trying to educate people in simple lecture-style format. Um, you know, and try and put that out there for people to just use. And so, uh, you know, that lines up with our uh, ideas about Bitcoin uh, education and advocacy perfectly. Um, so I think, it, I think it was a real, real good idea on our part. Um, it plays into what we want to do, uh, which is, you know, get lectures set up that people can play off of or use for their own uh, needs or whatever it is. Or even really use it well. to build their own lectures at their own clubs and build workshops and so what coin academy can, for those who don't know can you describe what it is oh yeah well go ahead Jacob. um well coin academy is um it's a uh series uh, well not a series uh it's a site that has a bunch of different uh lecture styles um it's got collections of courses it's got uh uh on all sorts of Bitcoin-related topics, um, looking at the page right now. So I guess it's probably a bit like Coursera or uh, Khan, Khan Academy or something like that? Yeah, kind of similar to that. Um, so it's got a collection okay. of, uh, of um, lectures on uh, digital currencies and social activism. It's got a, a lecture on the introduction to digital currencies, uh, digital currency ownership, Bitcoin for merchants, um, it's got all these uh, lectures on all sorts of topics, and they're all done uh, by their team um, trying to help uh, educate people. Um, it's all free, uh, and it, it's, it's that same sort of general idea that this information should just be out there. We don't want to charge money for it. We just want to have it out there, educate people, and you know the making money can come later, however it happens. Like... That that's not the important part. The important part is getting people involved because that's that's what we need for this to be successful. Because honestly, the technology isn't too difficult to understand once you kind of start using it a little bit. I think the practical workshops that show how the technology works um, kind of take away the mystery from it, and people feel a lot more comfortable investigating it instead of just hearing about this cryptocurrency. Um, it sounds much more techy that way. Except when you have these videos, it helps you realize it's just another computer application, something you're familiar with already. So what's the long-term, uh, where, where do you see this partnership going in the future? Um, I mean, we can't comment on anything specific because honestly, I don't know. Um, but I mean, I just love to see us continue to foster uh, 
these these lectures um, to try and make sure that uh, we help them grow uh, to get this information out there. And um, hopefully we can see, I mean, I, I think it's no secret that we want to see, you know, Bitcoin academia become, you know, an actual subject around a lot of these colleges. So Which it already um, is at a few, I think. Yeah. I think a few colleges already yeah. have this going on. I'm more of these um, colleges, so I think um, I don't know if they'd be able to help, or you know, if, if we want to, uh, if it'd be uh, our own doing. But uh, just being able to make sure we can uh, establish networks to uh, to help foster Bitcoin academia would just be phenomenal. Just because that that's one of our end goals is to make sure that Bitcoin research and whatnot can go on. The Bitcoin uh, studies can go on an average college environment because that's our that's our system's way of fostering knowledge is by going to the collegiate atmosphere and studying in those ways so right and do you think that um perhaps perhaps universities and colleges where people are guess um, mentalities are usually quite open and and, uh, and liberal in that sense uh a, do you think that um, this is a, an, an environment that can foster some sort of mass adoption of Bitcoin, uh, whatever that means? I mean, <laughs> kind of throw away this term, this term mass adoption. And if it is, what is the kind of key to uh, what, what What do you think is holding it back? Or what is the key to sort of you know, um, spreading uh, Bitcoin through through universities and colleges? I mean, I guess we'll see with a little bit with the uh, MIT Bitcoin drop coming up. Um, I mean that that'll be kind of a big foray into that. Uh, as far as uh, colleges being kind of the push for uh, mass adoption, um, I mean I think it very well could be. Uh, it just kind of depends on the responsiveness of the students to the technology, um, them recognizing the opportunities it holds, and then them creating ways to. Uh, create value for themselves because ultimately it kind of seems obvious to me, right? I mean, because you've got a place with, uh, with, uh, really creative people. Okay. With who are kind of open and, you know, opening their minds and everything. And then also use money and need money and, uh, exchange money between, uh, among each other and also receive money from like their parents or something like that. And um, and it's this very small kind of closed ecosystem. So it seems to me like it's sort of the ideal place for 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 Bitcoin mass adoption to occur, or at least to uh, to seed from. Yeah, I mean, like as you yeah, like it's a, a very the technology itself. I don't think anyone would really hear the concepts of it and say, oh, that's wrong. Like the government should be control the money. They, I mean, I don't think when you explain how it works and it being math based and all the individual concepts, no one's really against it. So if it's only have if we only have to do education to kind of reveal what this technology is, I mean, that's an awesome opportunity for us to kind of be just talking about it. And then in that kind of makes people more attentive to it because the actual technology is the selling point. We're just kind of revealing what it is through education and academic insight and little projects here and there to show it being used in application and not just theoretical. Um, so Jacob, you said earlier that you wanted to talk about uh, some of your experiences at conferences lately. Can you uh, dive into that? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I know uh, College Cryptocurrency Network has really allowed me to actually get to the, a lot of these. Um, uh, I just went to uh, Coins in the Kingdom, which was put on by Sean's Outpost not uh, not long ago with Dean here and uh, a couple of the other guys. And um, 
that it was a phenomenal time. I mean, uh, it was a really well-received conference. Uh, it was at uh, Disney World. Um, and uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It really kind of showed what you can do with a, a kind of a small setup for a conference while still making it really effective by having a lot of good talks and uh, having, a, having a lot of fun there. I mean, uh, Jason... Getting Jason to go to King, Disney was awesome. I mean, with yeah. the, going to Disney, hanging out with developers, just standing in line with like people who are really into Bitcoin, talking about it on the wait. It's just incredible. I mean... <laughs> and at Disneyland. Or was it Disneyland? Yeah, Disney exactly. World. Disney World. Disney World, Disney yeah. World. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, we got to do a... Uh, there was a charity poker tournament uh, the first night for... Uh, to benefit uh, Sean's outpost and that was a ton of fun. Everyone had a great time. Everyone just cheering each other on, having fun, discussing some, you know, Bitcoin and their own projects on the side while playing. I mean, it's really, really, really nice to see that that sort of environment come together. Um, and it's know, cool because you have big route. business partners uh, and big businessy people with other community members and college students. And like, no matter what you're from, as long as you're kind of in this ecosystem, everyone's just kind of willing to help each other out, see what you're up to and see if there's any possibility for everyone to get involved. And it's just like, uh, it's so energizing to see that kind of support. Yeah. I mean, that's been my experience in conferences as well. I always come out of it sort of with uh with such enthusiasm you know exactly one day event you see you meet all these people that are all very interesting and all doing very interesting things and and you come back out of it with so many ideas and everything so uh, (laughs) even though even though i find conferences to be uh somewhat repetitive in terms of talks and the speakers and things like that uh, i'm always uh uh, yeah i I always come come back with uh, a whole lot of ideas and sort of a renewed optimism (laughs) Yeah, it makes I mean, you kind of realize everything's possible almost. Like uh, the projects that you think you might work on, if you see other people doing other things, you're like, oh, well, that's no big deal. I can just start launching this now. <laughs> Go ahead, Jacob, I cut you off. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. I was just going to say it's, it's, it's hard to come out of that sort of environment with that sort of people and not feel excited for everything and to be, you know, not be like, oh, you know, just sitting there chatting with them and all of a sudden you start vamping about an idea and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, we could totally do that. We just use, you know, so-and-so's product and then we uh we develop a little bit on our end we make sure we you know try and integrate this and uh you know the system will be pretty simple to set up and you know all of a sudden you've got a half a business plan going and you know it's impossible for some of this stuff not to happen and it's just it's so so exciting to be a part of that you know sit there and see that happen and you know even if you're not involved it's hard not to be happy for them be like yeah that's a cool product i want to get involved or you know i want to help you out or however you want to do it so we're going to wrap up uh, here in a few minutes, but before we do, I'd like to sort of get your long your your vision of what the long term objective is here with the College Cryptocurrency Network. Um, what where would you like? How would you like it to see evolve? And I guess the other question I have is, um, you know, as students are, are in college and then they come out of college, what uh, what sort of experience and what kind of knowledge and what can what will they be able to bring? to the Bitcoin community and how, how will they be able to affect the growth of the ecosystem you know, coming out of college? Yeah. So, um, I mean, as far as my view goes, um, I really like our mantra, the, the education, uh, innovation, and advocacy. Um, I mean, long-term goal, of course, is to educate people. We just want to get people in the know about this stuff, even if they don't want to use it, even if they think it's kind of silly, just get in their head, say, hey, this is the thing. We think it's really great. Um, you don't have to think it's really great. 
but it's a thing, it's always an option, and it's out there, and we're making it better every day. Um, and of course, to foster innovation, we, I, I love seeing these new products, like these new products and projects. Like I, it, it, it makes me just insanely excited to see some of this stuff happening that we do have, uh, just because it's, uh, I mean, of course, it's not actually out there, but in the context of, you know, our, you know, what today, today is like, it's so crazy to think like five years ago, like you would have said this and people would have gone, what? There's no way that that is ever going to happen. Like that, that's just <laughs> insane. Like I, I regularly send money over like Reddit and Twitter using change tip, little things like that. And I'm excited to start using storage to like have better, uh, uh, cloud storage and stuff like that and use open bazaar to see what the possibility of that for like magic cards and it's like there's literally like an endless ability of things you can do and it's just so exciting having bitcoin even if you don't have bitcoin just being involved in the news and seeing what's going to be available in like a month it's yeah. like oh that's never existed before next month we can try it out <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous and it happens like constantly there's new products being released all the time it's so it's just so much fun <laughs> and as far as uh you know, as students leave college, what what they can bring, uh, and you know what what we can give to them. Um, I mean, we're we're currently trying to get up a system uh, where these companies, uh, you know, our partners and whatnot, uh, can communicate with these students um, and say, "Hey, we've got positions available. Like, we want to source from the Bitcoin community, especially the young ones that are actively being educated, actively learning, and really, really want to be a part of all this stuff." And encourage that because, I mean, A, that's the best for the companies, B, that's the best for us, and C, that's the best for the guys that want to be involved. I mean, that... And for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah. If kids are getting involved in Bitcoin commu- or Bitcoin startups and Bitcoin companies, and they're going to be able to lead the way, and hopefully someone will be the lucky few that become the next big companies. <laughs> yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the big Bitcoin companies would have nothing but an, in- an interest uh, to to fund you guys, right? To, to support you guys financially because you guys are... F- you guys are creating the new, I mean, the f- future entrepreneurs, developers, and, and economists that are going to be working in this field. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that's yeah, that's right. And we just want to, we just want to encourage these students to get out there and get involved. And um, I mean, if we can kind of, uh, I don't want to say reward, but that's the only word to come to mind. If we can reward their activa- activity and participation with, you know, like, hey there's some job opportunities. Hey, there's this internship, you know, great. Like we've, we've given them more opportunities. We reward their participation with reputation. What was that Dean? I said, we reward their participation with like reputation, you know, and if you make yourself known and then obviously people are going to start contacting you if you're the person doing amazing things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it was really interesting to talk to you guys. I mean, I think it's the first time that we had a nonprofit on and, uh, and, and also, uh, I think it, you know we often talk to, to entrepreneurs and 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 people building things, but you know the education part doesn't get talked about a lot. And I think Bitcoin education is something that um, that I'm that I think is quite important. I mean, obviously this podcast is part of you know my um, desire to you know educate people about Bitcoin. I also run a Bitcoin meetup uh, here in Dade. Brian runs the Bitcoin meetup in in Berlin. So you know, education is something that's that's close to me. And uh, I think that, you know, taking it to a very large scale like you guys are trying to do and really targeting the people that uh, the, the right people, you know, these are the people that are going to be uh, working in the in, in, in industry and in our economy tomorrow. So, uh, you know, good job and kudos to you guys for doing that. Um, 
where can we find you? Um, I, How can people get involved? How can people uh, get involved with College Cryptocurrency Network? So you want to go to, um, if you want to check out College Crypto on the web, uh, you go to collegecrypto.org. Um, there you'll find uh, our website. It's got our membership form. Uh, if you're an interested student, if you know an interested student, please direct them there. Um, I'll see that they've signed up and uh, get in contact with them as soon as possible. Um, you can reach me if you want to send me an email about anything, uh, jacob at collegecrypto.org. Um, obviously, you can find me on Twitter at Totally Geeky if you want to message me that way. Uh, yeah, and then college crypt- at College Crypto on Twitter is our official Twitter handle. And so just uh, on the website, I'm, I created an account. I'm logged in here. There's a forum. Uh, there's some resources and there's even a job center uh, powered by mm-hmm. Carnality. But uh, so th- there are all the resources there. And then there's a calendar where I suppose people will be able to uh, post meetups and things like that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And also once you get involved, there's like other things we do, like we send out the, the weekly newsletter. And uh, as we yeah. said earlier, we do like the, uh, the design group. We got a bunch of students from different colleges who are interested in putting out some social media. We had a group hang out with them. And we kind of see how people want to get involved. So it's uh, a lot of all, all, all the above. <laughs> right. If you're interested also uh, just at all at College Crypto, uh, there's a sign up for our newsletter, which I put together weekly um, on our website at, at, on collegecrypto.org. So if, yeah, if you go to collegecrypto.org and you go down, uh, you'll see there, click here to sign up for the newsletter and you can sign up. Well, thanks a lot, guys. And by the way, Brian just came on kind of uh, midway through. Didn't want to get, get on because he didn't have his equi- his mic equipment with him, but uh, had some questions. And so uh, you answered some of them. And he says, keep up the great work. Uh, so thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks for listening. Um, if you want to uh, follow us on Twitter, we're at Epicenter BTC. Uh, you can also support the show by... Uh, 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 giving us a review on iTunes. So you go to iTunes, look for Epicenter Bitcoin. That helps us in uh, uh, finding new listeners and uh, being ranked in iTunes. And you can also you know, support the show by sending us a tip at epicenterbitcoin.com slash tips. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Brian sends it out every Friday and it's always very, very informative. It's a great way to keep up with you know, the latest stories and the, you know, the most important stories that happen every week. And you can do that at epicenterbitcoin.com slash newsletter. So thanks again for listening and we'll look forward to being back later this week and in fact on thursday we'll have uh be posting a uh, a panel discussion that i did with uh richard catano and jeremy uh, gardner the uh, executive director of college crypto uh at epicenter btc and it was uh, really interesting to talk to those guys about the types of um the types of products that we should be focusing on building and and then how we can market that to uh to to the masses uh, in order to sort of create a, a, a mass adoption so uh, that'll be on Thursday, and we'll be looking. We'll be back uh, next Sunday with a new, new Google Hangout. Very awesome! Thanks for having us on, man. This was great. Looking forward to being back next week. <laughs>